Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Steps to Data Literacy and Data Ops. And our guest for today's show is Vijay Venkatesan, who is the Chief Analytics Officer at Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Hi, Vijay. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Sanjog. How are you? Very good, sir. Uh, I am really enjoying, and as we're getting towards the end of the year, maybe some downtime, hopefully. But frankly, the, the topic that we're talking about, we do not have downtime when you talk about data. So that's where we are both here talking about the data ops and literacy. So to set the stage. To the conversation. Oh, definitely. Same here. And, and you know, the, the, just to set the stage, what we are finding is, Anyways, companies are trying to even to move their traditional business forward, had been grappling with the data coming from all directions and come digital that went multifold 10x, 20x. And then on top of it, now we are trying to go into the disruption made be RPA or IoT or uh, any other AI centric initiative. All of them are heavily dependent on the quality and the management of data and timely availability, all those different attributes that we have to manage. With that said, based on conversation I personally have had with quite a few CIOs and other C-suite business and technology both, an average rating for data management or data engineering function has has not gone above two or three out of 10 in some of the most sophisticated organizations. So if I were to kind of give that as a premise, you're more than welcome to counter it. But what do you think is the current state of data ops in organizations overall? Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great way to start the discussion. So I appreciate that. Um, I think data, data maturity or data ops maturity or data foundation maturity I think is a little higher than a two to three is what I would say. I would say it's somewhere between four and five, just to put a counterpoint. The reason I say that is because most organizations have invested in some form of a data foundation, whether it's an enterprise data warehouse, an operational data store, a data lake now, and so on. So a lot of people are doing some effort related to what I'm calling data wrangling or data harmonization. I think where there is still continues to be a maturation gap is around are we looking at the data in the context of fidelity, in the, in the context of usefulness, in the context of meeting a particular business need or demand, that has not evolved as fast along with the foundations of data. So that's where I see the biggest opportunity. And, and I think an example could be that now in a world where we live in where data is coming from both structured data applications, but also, you know, digital or apps-based data or device-based data, the ability to harmonize that is still a gap. And and then the ability to use that for the right business needs is still a gap. So if you were to look at all possible data and and let's, if if you went with the strategy of dividing and conquering or... Mm -hmm only bothering with things which are of value versus saying I'm going to boil the ocean. Could we not very clearly segment 
given a business context or given the ecosystem that we play and to say, you know what, there will be a lot of data always getting generated as part of us doing business or the fact that we exist as a business, there will be data generated. But do I really need to go nuts trying to capture and manage any and every byte and bit of data? Is that really in the best interest of the business or could be, could there be a prioritization first and rationalization before we jump in into even allowing that to stay within the organization, besides, of course, the compliance reasons. But why should everything Correct. be even considered? That's a great point. And I think that's I think, is the evolution that organizations must go through. I truly believe, and this is just my personal opinion, that data without context is not useful data. And by that, I mean that if you know why or what business problem you're trying to solve for or what strategies you're trying to deploy in an organization, what is the relevant data for that to occur or for that to happen will restrict the amount of data you need to bring in. So I'm agreeing with you, Sanjog, that in reality, not all data is of equal weight and not all data matters. What matters is the problem and the strategies that are underway and what is the relevant data. So for that to occur, however, most organizations do not even know what data do they have and can I use that data for what purpose. So to your comment for the topic for today, literacy and DevOps, there is not a lot of education or literacy around what data exists, what can I do with it, what should I not do with it, and where do I apply it. So that's an important learning for most organizations, and that's something that organizations haven't spent time on because there's been so much focus on what I call data acquisition or data ingestion and not enough on data consumption. Now, while I asked you this first question, and let me wear a contrarian's hat and then say, okay, Mm -hmm. on the surface, a human, a a business person in their given context might think, oh, I have got this set of data, which looks like a low-hanging fruit, or maybe there is a remote possibility. Again, looking at it as individuals or as a group of humans who are trying to analyze it, and they may say, only, only we, we are going to only keep this data. But there have been instances where people had some data lying which was not utilized at all or was was rendered worthless. But when they ran an AI engine on it, they figured out some patterns which essentially allowed them to suddenly use that information or that data in that given context or some patterns emerged which then was utilized for some growth and innovation and value creation. So could there be over-sanitizing if we do this even cleansing as humans, or should we even apply these latest, greatest analysis or analytics technology to even at the data engineering function level so we don't accidentally clean data which you could have utilized downstream? No, that's a great contrarian view, and and I think and in some small respect I'll agree with you, but that to me is more a question of what is the data fidelity and are there techniques that you can bring that now that the industry has to offer, as you said, algorithms and AI, to make sure that the data is of the highest quality and of the highest fidelity for the various uses. So what I want to make sure is that there is still this demarcation between kind of what is considered good quality data, what are the techniques to get to a good quality data, and then the, and, and then the 
use of that data, of that good quality or the high-fidelity data. So I agree with you partially saying that you may have to apply techniques to get to that data quickly to make it of highest quality, but, it, but I still would uh, posit you don't need all data to solve a business problem. You still need to focus on the use case and drive backwards. You use data fidelity as a, a term and data quality. Now, when mm-hmm. you apply an AI engine to it, and you know AI is utilized for even unstructured data, let alone structure, which is of quality or not a quality, there could Correct. be could could there be a, a a scenario where the amount of time and the expense that we incur in producing data quality for the traditional analytics that sanitization could be altogether skipped or reduced significantly because the things which you are trying to do as humans downstream in analytics function could very well be done by AI by letting it learn about what your context is, what the data is, and then that that whole data cleansing function or data engineering function could, uh, you, you could basically, in short, reduce the time to value and not having Correct. to go through the sanitization. Do you think this is like a pie in the sky or this is a possibility? Are you, are you guys looking in that direction? Um, I would say it's not a pie in the sky, and I think, but I think part of it is that with any approach to, um, let's say, machine learning or algorithms, there is a process of training the model. And in order to train the model, you have to be able to say what are the data elements you know, relevant for for that training. What do you think are the drivers of a particular data domain that are appropriate? So an example would be, it would be very hard-pressed to do something in healthcare if you don't know who that patient is and what makes up a patient identifier. Or in the case of uh, Amazon, if you don't know who the customer is and and, and, and everything about that customer, it's very hard to run algorithms without knowing that about one individual. So I, I think there are some basics of quality that you can't avoid, like a date of birth being populated or a social security number or, or a, a, you know, address zip code. So what I'm saying is that it is not either or. It's always an and. And the question is how much of one versus the other, how much of the traditional quality principles against how much of the self learning algorithms. And to me, it's going to be a balancing act. And it's also going to be on the completeness of data from your source systems. So I'm always a believer that it's not either or. It's always going to be a degree of and, and how far can you go down a continuum. You spoke about or rather rated the data ops or the state of data ops to be four to five. And yes, Mm -hmm. in in an ideal world, we would want it to be 10. But there is a cost for everything. At what, what would you say would be a reasonably good and pragmatic rating of data ops that we must get to? And, and while we are giving it a numerical figure here, but what would, what would that look like? What would that plausible data ops which will allow us to run our shop properly look like? Yeah, yeah it's, a great com- it's a great question, and I don't know if I'll do full justice to it, but I'll give it a try. So when you think about traditional IT organizations, right, they, there is this myth that says that you only have one tool for one purpose. So most IT organizations get trapped in that. So they'll say, 
for extract, transform, and loading, I'm going to use Informatica as a chosen tool, or I'm going to use, um, you know, some other tool of some other vendor. The problem with that approach in DevOps is that then you don't have agility in your systems because as data becomes more liquid, which means that there is more types of data, more variety of data that you have to bring in together and make some sense out of it, you cannot. You have to be somewhat of thinking about it as what is the right tool for the right use of that data or the right mechanism to bring the data in. Most IT shops are stuck in that old world principle that there is a tool that does one thing and that's what we need to use. I think IT organizations have to break out of that mindset. The, the way to think about DevOps or data... So this uh, is data ops is what you're referring to, right? Because you mentioned DevOps, but data I'm assuming ops. you're talking... I'm sorry. Ops. Yeah, uh, yeah. I meant to say data ops. My apologies. So data ops, I think, is... So you have to think about agility as part of data ops, which is why it hasn't occurred yet at a scale. And that's where you may say it's a two and I may say it's a four, but I think we're saying the same thing, which is agility in data ops hasn't really materialized to the degree it should have with the amount of technologies that are out there because most organizations are still stuck in thinking it's one tool for one function. And but is it just dependent on the that, tool, though? Because while you did mention that, okay, they, they may have this uh, monolithic approach or, or a very myopic approach to how they run data ops, but are we saying that data ops is just about tools? Because in my view, uh, or at least the traditional view of data ops actually will require people, processes, and tools. And right. So what I was trying to get at, you know, no, I think it's a great question. So what I was trying to get at, I was using the tools as a proxy for kind of the people process technology. And what I meant to say is when you have one tool, then you have one set of people who, who work and who are experts on that tool. So their own thinking is constrained by the technology that's being leveraged. So all of these don't allow you to then to say, is there optionality in what problem am I trying to solve with data ops? And people then kind of get conditioned, if you will, to think in a monolithic structure. So you are right. It is people, process, and technology. But in most instances, the tools become that proxy. So this is assuming that in organizations, while a lot of different organizations are trying to detach the upstream function or the data management or engineering function away from IT for the very reason because you don't want to front end or look through the tool lens or a technology mm -hmm. lens for this data. So abstraction is 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 happening. But even as the, the abstraction is happening, are there any pressing challenges that are holding us back from creating that ideal state of data ops, or at least working towards it. But before you uh, share your input on this question, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. 
Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Vijay, when we look at the, the data ops, and we are saying that newer progressive organizations are not trying to keep data ops within IT. They are trying to detach or abstract it from the IT organization, but still to run data ops, you need technology component. You need some handoffs or some collaboration with the IT. How is that working out? And and you wanted independence, you gave that to the data organization, but to make it seamless, you want to work closely, but are is there affinity that continues to exist between these two groups? And yet you're allowing, are you able to give independence to the data group? Right. No, that's a great question. I'll just give you my own experience. I've been a chief data officer reporting under the CIO. I'm now the chief analytics officer reporting to our external VP of transformation. Um, I've lived in both worlds, and this is always a very um, complicated question given which side of the fence you fall. But in general, I think as the business needs have evolved, it makes sense for data and analytics to be coupled together and be within the business because the business understands the needs, uh, you know, of the times and what is required to, to get to the right insights to enable next best action. However, it is critical that the IT partnership does not get ignored. So in a way, if you think about what does IT provide, IT provides you know, plumbing or enablement, you know, for frameworks, which is still essential. IT provides standards and standardization and migration processes from dev, test, prod. They also provide disaster recovery and business continuity. So what the business must make sure is that whatever they're doing in this, in this brand new world of independence cannot be outside of an interdependent culture because the both sides have to work in tandem. So what we have done in my own experience is we would say, okay, what's the technology stack we need to do our work on? What is the production migration processes we need to follow? What are the disaster recovery components we need to account for? And is IT prepared to take on those accountabilities? What are the business continuity elements? Is it a tier one, tier two application, even though it's an analytic application? All of those require IT partnerships. So I always believe that 
you know, even though our desire sometimes is to be independent, but we're better off if we become interdependent. And that is a conversation that a data officer must have, an analytics officer must have with the CIO, with their VP of applications and technology all the time, and not just have those in spurts, if you will. Now, whatever we are trying to do, whether in the analytics organization or the combined with data engineering or IT, like MDM, master data management, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about a decade ago, it failed because not that we did not want to do it or we didn't have the intelligence or the wherewithal. It, it, It failed because the people at the very staff level who are supposed to take ownership and stay as custodian custodian of the data, they did not want to do it or they did not have an incentive to do it. And when at at the very leaf level when the day where the data is generated, if that's not controlled, then you never have a, a, a level of sanitization that naturally happens within the organization and it becomes way too expensive to have that one version of the truth and that's why we never got to the level we wanted to. So is this going to mm-hmm. remain a pipe dream where instead of us only working in the ivory tower into the data organization and IT and, and, and the CDO group and, and not doing anything or maybe trying but not succeeding at the individual business user level who's supposed to be generating and on taking ownership of the data? No, it's a great, yeah, it's a great question. And I think the way we, the way in my own experience we've tried to solve it is if you believe in a hub and spoke model for anything, right? Any execution framework, we have to decide what goes into the hub. So a master data management, it's not all the things you need to master, but there's like two or three critical things you have to master. And what is that? Is it your customer ID or member ID? So what we have to figure out is what goes into this hub model that is considered system standards. And then what goes into the spoke, which can be controlled by individual business, so that we don't get into the old paradigm of ivory tower models, right? So what we have been able to do in my own experience is we've said, okay, these are some things that everybody benefits, the organization benefits. So those functions like attribution of members or customers, that should happen in partnership with IT and should be maintained by IT because they impact applications beyond analytics or reporting or whatever. So that is very essential in this conversation. So what you just mentioned would, would, I'm sure, solve the MDM problem, which we originally struggled with, and it's a smart solution that you recommended. The the new age data that is getting created, we have a lot many more facets of data and attributes of data which are coming up, which we need to capture and manage and, and keep sanitized and maintain the integrity. And... And if you were to look at at quite a few of those uh, in in quite a few of those areas, you need an active support, ownership, and stewardship, if you will, of the business, not just the unit business unit leaders, but the very people on the ground who are generating that data, putting data into their forms, or even talking on a chat with a customer. Correct. So. So, 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 what what is being done to not exactly control, but but when where the very origination point is, what are we doing to maintain or improve quality there, so that when you go through this whole process later on, you are not creating a problem yourself or or allowing the problem to get created and later on spending more money 
to deal, take care of right. it or deal with it. Are we being so proactive and what are we doing to be proactive? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. So what I said earlier in, the, in the, our conversation is that not all data is of equal value. So what, what we have done in my own experience is when there are quality gaps with the data, it's important to highlight it to the business, not in the context of just being a quality gap, but what is the impact of that quality gap to the revenues or to business expense or operating expense or operating margin? So that translation of why should the business care about some of these inconsistency of data, incompleteness of data or gaps in data, that is what a true governance or a quality function should do. And unless quality goes beyond just reporting of problems, into implications of the gaps, you know, with the overall business, we will not move this much. It'll always be a, a catch-22 or always be a question of cost versus priority or importance versus um, usefulness. What I've done is that for every gaps that you find, what is the business impact and an organizational financial impact? If that translation doesn't occur, it's not going to be successful. Let's talk briefly about the data literacy. And this is no different than many, like, you know, when you talk about culture. So we say mm-hmm. we have to communicate, you know, go to events and, and listen to people. So they will say we have to educate. If you want security to be implemented or, or a culture of security to be created, we have to educate. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's an effort. It's an outreach effort that the leaders could enable. When we talk about data literacy, is this just limited to outreach to people so that they start getting a better understanding and sit in a classroom to understand what's going on? Or is data literacy a little more intentional, a little more deliberate, a little more formal, methodical approach to have people really get it? And you have a measure that, yes, they are getting it now and we are done with our job of educating versus just keep broadcasting a message, hoping that somebody will catch it. It's a great question. So data literacy to me is not about communication. Data literacy is not what you get in your inbox that says, here's your monthly newsletter update. Here's all the things you should know about data or about this domain of data. Data literacy is a discipline, a discipline about how do you empower your customers of your information to be self-aware of what to do with it. So that is a very deliberate, methodical, intense process of starting with why they should care, what's in it for them, how can they become better consumers, how can they then help drive better um, value from the data. So it's no different than um, any, any uh, you know, a consumer product, right? What is the way you improve that product? It's based on educating feedback loop, and refining. So to me, data literacy is not a communication-only conversation. It is about a methodology by which you make people more self-aware of what is existing in an organization around data, but also how do you make them use it better to solve the business problems that they're trying to solve for. So we have a different view on that in terms of how we are approaching it in in my own organization on data literacy. 
So could you take data literacy effort or an initiative as a project which has a start and an end date and a scope and a measured outcome? Or is this something that you say, I'm going to continue? Like, you know, when we, while, while we, you definitely said it's not an outreach only, and you wanted right. people to get to a certain level of understanding and awareness. So the moment we start Correct. using the word understanding and awareness, is this understanding and awareness subjective or you have a measure that, hey, this group of people have achieved this level of understanding and our job is done. So you go to another group or you're done with this project. How are you looking no, for no, interest in an organization? Yeah. It's a great question. So to me, it's about, again, I would just say that we are in our infancy in this journey of how we're approaching it. The way we are thinking about it is that you're never done with the data literacy program with one group or the other. But however, your point about measurement and outcomes is an important one. So that cannot be ignored. You cannot do something and say, oh, I'm going to keep doing it and I have no idea whether it's working or not working. So I'll give you a use case that we went through. We said, we're going to turn off X number of ad hoc report requests because we're seeing a bunch of ad hocs coming for a particular domain. We're going to make that a very interactive dashboard. But we found out that the interactive dashboard, there was no adoption around. People said, I don't know what to click, how to click, how to get to the slice of data I want. So I'm just going to ask you for more ad hoc requests. So what we said was, our goal for this year with this group is to reduce the number of ad hocs by 15%. And we want to see that 15% reduction translate to 30% more adoption of that Tableau dashboard or whatever the dashboard we built. So what we did was we tied it not only to our goals, but we worked with the business to tie it to their goals. We said we need to see this adoption go up because we don't have the capacity to produce ad hocs on a continual basis. So the way we measured was what was the training required? Are people just struggling with the technology? Are people just not interested in learning something new, or people just saying, hey, I, I had the analysts I could call and have them do it for me. Why should I do it? That's not part of my job. So we had to evaluate kind of what were the barriers to entry. And then we had a collective discussion with leadership on both sides to say, this is not an optional conversation. We will reprioritize your ad hocs to a point that it won't be our highest priority because you've got 20 other highest priority. So either you become self-sufficient, and this is the way we're going to measure it, and this is what we're going to do to, to make sure you understand how to do it, but this is the outcome we're both trying to get to because that's what's going to drive capacity for the net new work we're going to have from your areas. And that's how we're doing it. So we, we think it's going to be a sustained thing. We can't just do it because people change, people leave. So the education process is a continuous process. And it has to be a core discipline of how we do it with each group. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's try to see where do data literacy and data ops converge or are interdependent and we're working on both in the respective cocoons or in respective uh, frameworks could eventually get us to move forward in a confident manner so that the outcome that we are looking for, I mean, we are not doing data literacy for the sake of it and neither are we talking about data ops in isolation. 
where are we taking both of them and how do we work cohesively in these two areas to get that ultimate business outcome? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, data literacy, we spoke about that. We also spoke about data ops. And these are two different, you can call it a department or initiatives or efforts. But they are all to be they are they are required by organizations to get the most of their asset which is the data are we consciously and intentionally somehow tying both of them with a common thread with a common measure of success or critical success factors underlying both of them so that we are not just working in tangents with each other what's happening on the ground okay yeah, that's a great question, Sanjog. And I think, um, again, I'll start off by saying that it cannot work on a tangent because then the business doesn't see value from its data assets. So one of the things we have to do is we have to recognize that regardless of how a structure of an organization is around data and analytics, the question around literacy of data and data ops is that what data is coming in and is there, if there's enough knowledge on what data needs to matter, and is there an understanding of what to do with the data on the business side? So one of the things in my own experience, what I've done is that as a head of an analytics organization, we, we struggle with this question quite a bit. So the one thing that we did in order to bridge the gap between the data ops, which is under IT, and data you know, visualization, data consumption, which is under the analytics function, is we said we need to make sure that all of this data assets are expressed in a way that the business can understand. So we took on that function of what I'm calling a business view of data building, 
or you can think of it as analytics-ready data sets or AI-ready data views. We took that on as an analytics function to say, we're going to partner with our IT colleagues to create this business view of data in partnership with them, but then we will be the translator to the business, and our data literacy program will use this business view of data as the starting point. Rather than figuring out what data exists where and what applications are they coming from, we said, let's start with this harmonized layer of data that the analytics organization built in partnership with IT and begin the education from that point forward. What it allowed us to do was to limit the amount of back and forth with IT that every business unit has to do, and then they used us as the translator for the business with IT. And that's an intelligent way to start this discussion because what I feel is that where it gets confusing is when different parts of the organization do different things, and they're not able to do it in a systematic way. So that was one way we tried to solve this problem. So, frankly, the solution looks fantastic, like the way you approached it. It could also be interpreted as the tail wagging the dog because data literacy should have been more of a ground-level movement without having to Correct. look at what the final report that is to come out and, and, and use that as a context. So that could, and, and I'm just looking at it and playing devil's advocate here, that if you did that way, then whatever analytics that you created could have been, uh, or, or that is limited in scope. But then data literacy okay. could allow people to look at dimensions of data in a totally, I would say, in a wider horizon, and that could have improved if it was done in isolation, not isolation, but in the very beginning, then your data analytics output would have been much better. But if you use what you produce currently as a benchmark and use that as a limited set of context to introduce data literacy into the organization, are we not kind of confining ourselves? It's a good start. It's a good way to get something done. But is it not confining? No, I think that's a great question, and I think, you know, I don't have an elegant answer for it, but I think to your earlier point is how do you create a data literacy program that's going to be sustainable? So this is the, you know, we have to figure out how to, how to do the basics right first and create a foundation for this program to evolve from so that there's a maturity in the organization of how they are looking at information sets. So you are right. Is it, is it maybe a more restricted view of literacy? You're probably right. But is it a more broad view of literacy to the business consumers? I would argue it is. Because what happens now is that when we translate the data, then we at least know where is it coming from and is there an awareness of that. And so that, I also think, is a way to begin the education process in an organization. So... You know, it's not a perfect answer, but it is a good starting point. And I think all of these conversations, as you alluded to before, is a cultural transformation conversation. And cultural transformations take time, but they also need to have targeted, tangible outcomes. And this was our approach to it. So this is the, and, and I agree with you. What you did was at least progress is better than perfection. So you got the Correct. movement started. Now, if you say that, okay, you started this movement, would there be a phase two or a phase three that is envisioned? Or are you just trying, not you, but any organization which did this as a step one, would there be yeah, a so step, step two or step three where that yeah. would be a little more holistic? 
Yes. And I think that with anything, I think as technology evolves, as people evolve within your structure, everything has to be holistic. So there is no denying the fact, which is that literacy is about holistic view of understanding of information assets you have. There is no question on that. So I think it has to be a phased approach. The question that I think is interesting is sometimes phase one may take five years in some organizations. In some organizations, it may only take a year. So that also comes into play, which is how long is this, um, you know, how long is this overall process to transformation? And is it tail wagging the dog or is it in some cases it's the, it's the only dog that's left regardless of the tail? And, and where do you go from there? So that's, that's a, and so I think it has to eventually lead to a holistic view. The question is how long is that? you know, pathway and how expensive will it be and what are the things we should do as organizations to understand that component as well. So since in the very first question you mentioned the current stage is data, like data of data ops is rated mm-hmm. as four to five, would you say the context of that is the legacy and the current level of load and variety and volume that we're dealing with? And in that context, you're rating yeah. it four to five. Or is this more the future that we are getting into? I would say it's more the current, because the current is what is standard in most organizations, and current is what's uh, production-ready in most organizations. So that's what I would say is current. I mean, that, that scoring was based on current. With the newer ones, I think it's still a learning. There is no precision yet. So that's going to take some time. So given the different digital opportunities, are there RPA and AI and cognitive mm-hmm. or intelligent automation and everything else that we're talking, that would require us to evolve our data ops. So if you were to think about version 1.0, which you gave 4 to 5 right. today, what would that 2.0 and 3.0 look like for data ops, which is actually what you need? I'd say starting now, because if you're going to adopt AI, we, you know, we are kind of done with the POCs. We are doing some, but people are saying, how do I embed this real disruptive technologies and solutions into my business? And business is clamoring for it. But before you do it, don't you have to have data ops 2.0 at least in draft or a beyond draft stage or approved draft stage? That's a great question. And I think most organizations are doing data ops 2.0 already. I mean, if you see investments in data lake or data science or machine learning, there are pockets that are already happening. What hasn't happened is, is to your earlier comment, is there an understanding of how this will improve things? Is there an understanding of the data across the organization? That hasn't kept up with the same rate, if you will, with the data ops 2.0. I know of many organizations investing in data lakes and AI and machine learning and even dabbling in RPM and so on or RPA. Uh, what hasn't happened, however, is the foundation of data, the knowledge of data, what data is relevant to these business problems, that hasn't happened at the same rate. So what I'm saying is you have to balance both, the balancing of the new along with the, the stabilization or maybe a rationalization of the data domains and the data assets with it. You can't have one without the other. They both have to run at the same speed. So if you were to define the exact delta between the 2.0 data ops and 1.0, is that just more Mm -hmm. of the same or is there a fundamental shift 
in the context, the data type, the data domains that we are dealing with, the volume and variety that is going to come into play. What is shifting that we have to tackle? I think, that, I mean, two things are shifting. One is the volume is definitely shifting, but the variety is shifting at a faster pace, right? Now in a world we live in where, where, your, where your phone is pretty much the medium by which most data is being captured, whether it's structured, unstructured, clicks, whatever it might be, that device is going to drive a lot of the future you know, data challenges and, and data discoveries. So to me, I think the variety is what's multiplied, and the 2.0 must and, ha- and is accounting for it. So the delta is, are we getting better at managing variety of data in addition to volume? And if we don't do both together, I think we will not make the right progress we need to make. So is this only a function of doing better data architecture so you can handle variety? Or are we saying infrastructure and ops and everyone else has to step up? Because I think it's everyone has to step up. So, yeah, a data 2.0 journey or a data ops 2.0 journey is a collective journey. It's infrastructure, it's network, it's people's skills, it's technology, it's interoperability of the technology, it is the ability to work in an environment where everything is not batch processes, it's real-time, API-driven. All of that has to be incorporated. So it's not, a, it, it's not just an a la carte menu on demand. It is having a cohesive approach to this so that you get the benefits of it. Now, what would be your uh, view or rather recommendation for the organizations who, of course, no one can say they're fully cooked yet, but they must have started their journey and there may be certain things that they have to watch out for, which could be mistakes maybe since you are at a certain level in your journey and you look back, there is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, so there is some learning in the process of data literacy and data ops Absolutely. creation. Yeah, so... Starting with technology sometimes is not the right answer. And I've always, and I've done that, I've made those mistakes. So you think a technology will solve a problem, a business problem, that is the data ops 2.0 technology. What I found is, is the business need big enough, important enough, and relevant enough where the data ops 2.0 can be an answer to those things in a much more agile, deliberate, and a sustained way. Without the business hand-in-hand with you, it just becomes a proof of concept or a pilot that's going to remain on the shelf and not see true translation. So what I would almost encourage people is think about data 2.0 in the transformation of your organization to a digital 2.0. If that's the desire of organizations to move to digital enterprise, how can data 2.0 Analytics 2.0 can all help in that journey and get to those answers, right? So that vision of what is the data ops 2.0 going to solve for in the context of the business is going to be critical drive. That's how it has to start. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Vijay, for sharing your thoughts regarding the steps organizations can take to enable effective data ops and data literacy and have them both have a bridge between the two so that the combined impact is for the best business outcome. So thanks so much for your inputs today. Thank you, Sanjoga. Again, appreciated the opportunity and happy holidays to everyone listening on the call. Thank you.
Thanks so much again. So uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn and please listen to our podcast. We are on every possible platform you can imagine and please rate us so that more people discover and benefit from these conversations. So thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.